Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. So my name is Will, Will Dent. For those who don't know, I work here at the church as service coordinator, which I started in September. I've also been part of this church for a long time as well. And my goodness, what a church to be part of, and what a time to be part of this church. You know, I absolutely love being part of this church, and, and what a time to be part of it. God is doing so much. God is, is moving mountains in this place. And, and if, if, you're, if you've not heard, then Get involved and see what God's doing. You just have to speak to the different areas in the church and you hear what God is doing and it's exciting. You, you go and speak to the prophecy course. There's a team that are doing learning the gift of prophecy. And my goodness, they're coming up with some amazing things. What an amazing tool that will be for us as a church in these next coming months and years. A team that have learned and, and been given this gift of prophecy. That is amazing. Then you, you go to the 18 to 30s and, and we're seeing amazing things there. We're seeing this week we, um, we split into three small groups. Four years ago, we started as one small house group. Now we're so big that we've got three multiple groups of 18 to 30s. It's unbelievable. You speak to the senior link lot, and they're saying, I don't want to miss a Sunday. I'm gutted when I can't get there, or if it snows, I can't get there. I'm gutted. I want to be there and see what God's doing in this place. And you just look around now. There's so many new faces in here. There's so many new people coming to join this mission, this new adventure. And, And God is moving. And when God moves... Nothing stays the same. So we need to be flexible and we need to be willing for God to change us because when God is moving, nothing stays the same. We've been doing a a new series um, called Alter Ego and this is the final talk in it. And the CLT, our leadership team, have been looking at the different values that we want to be known as as a church. Values that we want to perfect Things like being Christ-centered. We want to want to be a church that when people say, what's that church like in Pointon? Well, it's Christ-centered. It's really dynamic in its worship. It's so inclusive. When I, brought, when I came along and I came as I was, they accepted me. They're so joyful that you just come away with this sense of heavenly joy. They're so community-focused that they just invite anybody into their building. And they're so loving. When I was down and I really needed the love of God, that church came round me and loved me. So it's almost a challenge for us. And are you willing to accept that challenge? Are you willing to say, I'm going to change and become that person, to become that church that God is calling us to be? In September, our, our minister moved on to new things. He actually went to Peru to be a missionary there. So we've been without a minister since, since September. And we are going into this new phase. And it's a chance for us as a church to go, God, who do you want us to be? Who do you want us to reach? And what's the new adventure that you're going to take us on? And that's the question that's going on, and and these are the values that we are looking at. So God is building this church, but who is he building this church on? Who is he building this church on? And you just have to look at Peter. Peter um, was the first disciple to be called, and Jesus said this about him. On this rock, I will build my church, and the power of death will not be able to defeat it. That's Peter. Wow. Wow. 
Wouldn't that be amazing if God said that over you, over this church? That this is the rock on which my church is built and death, Hades, won't overcome it, won't defeat it. We just need to have a little look and understand who Peter is. So for those who don't know, Peter was the first disciple. He was in the inner circle of Jesus' friends. He was the rock. He was called the rock, and his name Peter actually means rock. He was a fisherman, and he had his own business, and it was a successful business. He was a natural leader. He was outspoken. He was impulsive, and he needed constant correction by the Lord. He's the one that walked on the water when Jesus was there and Jesus invited him on and he was walking on the water and began to doubt and fear and he started to go underneath the water. He's the one that drew the sword on on the person who came to arrest Jesus and cut his ear off. Talk about being impulsive. He's the one that, that denied Jesus three times after he boasted and said, I will never deny you. He denied our Lord three times. But yet Jesus used him to preach to to thousands of people. And on the day of Pentecost, he preached to thousands of people and 3,000 people became new believers. Now imagine that as a ministry. He's just an ordinary fisherman, but was transformed into the rock in which God used him to build his church. He gave his life to the course and and, and, and we, we believe that he died by crucifixion. He died by, by, because of the cause. And apparently he said, I can't die the same way my Savior did. So he was crucified upside down for what he believed in. So this is Peter, and what a guy we're going to look at, and the guy that this church, the world's church, was built on. And we need to understand what type of people does God use to build his church? Because when I read the, the character profile of this, this amazing guy, and if it was the Oscars, he'd clearly be the best supporting actor in the story of the gospel. What a guy. What a guy with so many failures, so many times that he needed correcting, yet God used him in amazing ways, and he's still using him today as the foundation which we build the church. So if we understand who Peter is and who he had to become, and what God did to transform him to build the church on, then surely we will know what we're doing here. That's the plan anyway. So we're just going to read Luke 5, 1 to 11. And this is a story of when Jesus called Peter to be his first disciple. So it's going to be on the screen um, for those who want to follow. One day, while Jesus was standing beside the Lake Galilee, many people were pressing all around him to hear the word of God. Jesus saw two boats at the shore of the lake. The fishermen have left them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, one that belonged to Simon, and asked him to push off a little bit from the land. Then Jesus sat down and continued to teach the people from the boat. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, take the boat into deep water and put your nets into the water to catch some fish. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've been working hard all night trying to catch fish, and we caught nothing. But you say to put the nets in the water, so I will. When the fishermen did as Jesus told them, they caught so many fish that the nets began to break. They called their partners in the other boats and said, come and help us. They came and filled both boats so full that they were almost sinking. When Simon Peter saw what had happened, he bowed before Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He and the other fishermen were amazed at the many fish they caught. 
and as were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus said to them, Jesus said to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. When the men brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. So from this, I've found six stages that Peter went through to, to be transformed into the rock. And don't, don't panic. This isn't meaning that I've doubled a three-point sermon. <laughs> don't panic. Six small points we're going to go for. And the first one I want to talk about is doubting God's way. When Peter got asked to take the boat into the deep water, and he said, take your boat, or in an, another translation, it's into the deep, go into the deep. When God called him to go out into the deep water and throw his nets, the first thought was <laughs> doubted. God, I've already tried that. Peter was an experienced fisherman. He was well qualified for the job. And he'd already cleaned the nets. So how inconvenient, God, that you're asking me to do this now when actually I've cleaned my net and we've been out all night and quite frankly, I'm quite knackered. How often are we in that situation when, when God calls us to something, when God asks you to do the impossible, that we doubt his way and we find it inconvenient and we say things like, well, I'm actually a fisherman. I've been doing this my whole life, Lord. So, you know, I think I know what I'm doing here. There's no fish. And actually, fishing in the day is no use because the fish see the net. God, it's all right. I've got it sorted. How many times do we get to that first point and fail? How many times have there six points that we stop at number one because we doubt God's way and we don't give it a, a go? When I was writing this talk, every day that I got up, that, um, that I, was, I knew I was spending some time writing this, every morning I'd get that thought, why on earth have you got yourself into this situation? <laughs> You're not even clever. You, you, don't even know, you don't even know what's... <laughs> but, but I had doubt. I had these doubts of, well, God, how can you even use me? I'm just the guy that gets excited on the microphone and passionate. I'm not the guy who's there who's, who's going to preach from the Bible. And mum said to me what she's learned on the prophecy course, flush it away. Flush it away. <laughs> flush it away. When you get those thoughts, what do you do? Flush it, mum. <laughs> you know, when David saw the Israelites, there's two types of attitude. You had David's attitude and the Israelites' attitude. So they saw Goliath up there, and the Israelites had the attitude of magnifying the problem, saying, that guy's too big, that guy's too powerful, there's no way we're going to overcome that problem. And you know, the amazing thing, Peter walks in and goes, who is this Philistine to defy the, the armies of the living God? He was a young boy, and he was saying, who is this guy anyway? In those times of doubt, we need to have the attitude of David. We need to be the ones that say, doesn't matter how big that mountain is. Doesn't matter how big that giant is. Doesn't matter how big that prayer seems. I'm going to have the attitude of David and say, I'm a representative of the living God. I'm part of the army of the living God. And I'm not going to let anything shake that. And I'm not going to let any mountain or any, any um, giant like Goliath get in the way of what God is doing in my life and in this church. Yeah, amen. Come on. Can I get a witness? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> you know, as a Christian, you are a representative of the creator. You're also the representative of the, um, the Amiga, the Alpha and the Amiga. You're the person that's going out into the world to represent this living kingdom. 
So it doesn't matter what faces what you face. It doesn't matter what those doubts, about those doubts that come in your head because you're re representing something much higher. The second point is giving it a go. The second stage, or should I say, is giving it a go. And in another translation is Peter says, because you say so. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night trying to catch fish and we caught nothing. But if you say put the nets in, so I will, or because I say so. You know, it was at the point there like, God, I kind of know best in this situation and it's a silly idea and I feel like a fool what you're asking me to do. But okay, you know, on your back the failure, let me give it a go. You know, when we started the 18 to 30s group here, it was about four years ago, can you believe it? In 2014, we felt a calling from God to start a group, of eight, a group for 18 to 30s in this church. And if you'd looked at the environment, and it's not until when we look back that we realize how silly that seemed. Looking at the environment that, that we were in, we were in a, a place pointing that, that people in that age couldn't afford to move into. There was hardly anybody of that age group in this church. And it was actually in a really hard, challenging time in the church's history. Some great people were, were, were moving to different areas. And actually, it was really hard. Our environment at that time was hard. But we had the attitude of reluctantly, well, okay, God, if that's what you're saying, we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. But on the other hand, I was in London the other week, and I was sat in a cafe just before I was going to go to see a show. And I was reading Pete Gregg's book, and for those who, if you haven't read it, it's all about the 24-7 prayer movement. And Pete Gregg's an amazing guy of stepping out into the world, into the darkness, and, and speaking, being that representative of the living God. And, and as I was reading this, waiting for the show, it was like five, ten minutes, this man came and sat right next to me, and uncomfortably close and inappropriately. And, and my first thought straight away was, <laughs> I shut it down straight away and I went, Lord, if you're going to ask me to speak to this person, don't bother because I've got to see a show. <laughs> and <laughs> it's funny, but that is seriously that went through my head and I was thinking, right, distract myself, just drink water, drink water, drink water, uh, go through my bag, check my phone's charged. I was trying to distract myself to shut out God's voice from my head because I thought, I ain't missing this show. <laughs> but what an opportunity that I could have missed there. What if that was the next Peter to build the church? What about if that was the next Billy Graham that was going to see thousands and thousands and millions of people come to know Christ? And I didn't take that opportunity. I didn't give it a go. I had this amazing story um, at a conference a couple of months ago of this guy who... who who was walking down the street and he passed this guy, smiled at him. He didn't smile back and God told him that that guy's called Daniel. And when he, when he was sharing this story, he said, God didn't tell me in an audible voice. I didn't hear it loud and in the clouds. I simply heard, oh, simply felt an impression that that person's called Daniel. How many times do you get that where you doubt, is that my voice or is it God's voice or what on earth are you going on about? So as he started to pray for this Daniel, he believed that God was saying, this person is, death is approaching this person, and he's in the lion's den. So off he went to walk, and he felt God saying, go and get Daniel. Go and speak to Daniel. So off he went, Daniel, Dan, Dan, like Alan Partridge, Dan, Dan, Dan. And Daniel didn't turn around, so he walked away. 
And then the Lord felt the impression again, and I use it very carefully, the Lord said, but he just felt a simple impression. It wasn't anything magical. It was an impression that, you know, oh, I think God's saying this. So he goes again and catches up with a guy, and he's thinking, Lord, if I go up to him and say, is your name Daniel? And he says, yes, it is. Well, what on earth am I going to say? Well, if he says, my name's Daniel, is your name Daniel? And he says, no, it isn't. What on earth am I going to say? And even though he had those doubts, he tried it and said, is your name Daniel? And the man said, no. And he said, well, panic, panic, panic. Um, Well, I'm a Christian and I just had this sense that, um, uh, that death was approaching you and you're in the lion's den. But don't worry about it if your name's not Daniel because I've clearly got my wires, wires mixed up here. But, but that's what I wanted to say. And this guy felt, went physically shocked. You what? He said, yeah, Daniel, how do you know? And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, how do you know that? And the man said, well, I don't know. But, but I felt like God told me that. I felt this impression that your name is Daniel and that that's, that's the situation. And he said, well, my name is Daniel, but I was so scared that you were part of the mobster that's, that's been trying to get him that he didn't admit to his name being Daniel. And he also admitted that he was just off to go and kill himself. Death was really approaching on him. And at that point, he said, how can I know more about what's going on? How did you know that? I want to know things like that. And they went to a coffee shop, and that person gave their life to Christ there and then. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, come on, let's give that a clap, because our God does work and uses us if we give it a go. After we get past the doubt, and we say, Lord, we're going to give it a go. It might be a reluctant give it a go, but you say, yes, I'm going to give it a go. And that person was stopped from the devil getting in that man's head and getting him to commit suicide. And he is now living um, with Jesus, and he is walking every day with that living Savior. You know, when we say give it a go, I should have point there actually and there. When we say give it a go, we're going from security into risk. We're going into the impossible as a church. We're allowing the kingdom of heaven to use us and go out to the world. The third, oh, the, the third, yes. Uh, no, the third, yeah. Receiving the blessing. So at the point when Peter said, yes, I'm going to go out there. They caught so many fish that the nets began to break. They called their partners in and got the other boats to come and take some of the fish. They came and filled the boat so full that they were almost sinking. So, okay, God, I think you've proven your point here. You're not only nearly breaking my nets, you're nearly sinking my boat. And actually, you're doing it in front of my friends. Thank you. You received the blessing. You know, 1830s, like I said, we at that time said, go on, God, we'll start this group and see what you can do. Pass the doubt. We said reluctantly, we'll give it a go. And we have, my goodness, my goodness, we have received the blessing. We have seen people come to this church week in, week out in that age group looking for a church. How on earth did they know that in the middle of Poynton, that there was going to be a group for them? How did they know to try this church out? And it wasn't the point where we had loads of things on social media. It was simply the Lord bringing people and showing us that, and giving us the blessing and saying, I'm going to use this ministry. I'm going to take it further than you actually thought. And I'm going to bless you with this. I'm going to bless the church with this group that you're starting. You know, when we receive the blessing, that's when your life changes. And that's when you overcome Goliath. The fourth stage 
is feeling unworthy. At that point, Peter got down on his hands and knees and said, Lord, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. When you realize the grandeur, that's when like your eyes open and you see, my goodness, how small am I and how huge and amazing and majestic is our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not worthy to even be speaking to you. Because at that point, it's those prayers that you've been saying, advising God, you've been, you've been suggesting things to God, you've been been telling God that this is the way he needs to do it. And at that point, he opens it up and you go, oh, wow, how majestic you are. But the amazing thing is God never leaves you in that place of feeling unworthy. After the doubt, we say we give it a go. We receive the blessing. And that's when the point we realize, my goodness, I didn't deserve that. My goodness, I really, really didn't deserve God to intervene in that situation. Oh my goodness, I gave it a go saying that impossible prayer of healing, that impossible prayer over a certain person. I gave it a go and you've answered it amazingly. And now I feel like, oh my goodness, why use me? He never, ever leaves us in that part. He never leaves us as feeling unworthy, which is the amazing thing. The fifth point is Jesus reveals his plan because he said to Peter when he was on his hands and knees and said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people or in another translation, fish for men and women. That's the point where you go, it all makes sense. It all makes sense what God has been doing. That rest, that, that wrestle of trying to go past the doubt to give it a go. And that's the point. It's really difficult going, it's too big, it's too big. When you have the attitude of David and say, I'm going to overcome this, then you give it a go. Then you receive the blessing. Then you feel unworthy. And then you realize what, what on earth God has been doing. And you think, my goodness, I want to be part of that kingdom. I want to know that Jesus who is doing this amazing thing. That's the penny drop moment, realizing that there was a process in the purpose. I've said that the wrong way around. There was purpose in the process. And how many times do we go through those things that, <laughs> way to go and ruin it, hey? How many times do you look back and go, that was painful, Lord? But I got through it with you, but now I realize why you're doing it, and now I realize who I've become because of what you've brought me through. And the sixth point is leaving everything behind. At that point, when the boats got to the river, to the, uh, to the, the, the side of the lake, they got out and they left everything and followed Jesus. See, the sixth point after we've been through this journey is leaving everything behind. And I'm still working on this. I don't know about you, but this is a daily, daily task. And sometimes I do leave it behind and sometimes I don't. And I find myself picking it back up again. That's like leaving behind your dreams, which is really difficult. Those things that you've really wanted ownership and that's a big thing and if we are going to move forward as a church and if we're going to allow God to change us we need to let go of ownership over those areas that we may have planted we may have started in this church and me and Ellie have been through that this past couple of weeks of actually splitting into three small groups we now have six leaders leading those groups and we had to let go of an aspect of that that part and you know what God's been with us and God's been given us his favor in that because that is okay 
today, but is there an area in this church? Because there's a lot of you that are doing so many amazing things, that you were the instigators of some ministries in this place, but are you willing to let go of it all for the growth of the church? Are you willing to let go of the ownership and realize it's not ours anyway in the first place? Are we willing to let go of those things that are holding us back, that, that niggle us when we walk into this church, those things that frustrate us? We need to leave it behind and move on. What about those relationships? Someone that you really struggle with in this church or in life, leave it behind, get it out and get it sorted. Andy Aldridge always tells me, I'm just going to check to make sure I say it right, hunt for relational conflicts. And I love that. Hunt for relational conflicts. When you are falling out with someone, when you're having a problem with someone, hunt it down. Get rid of it because the devil will use that. The devil will use that to, to get in the way of his plan. Hunt it down. You know, a divided, divided house can't stand, it tells us in the Bible. So if we're divided as a church, if we've got conflict in here, then we aren't going to grow. We aren't going to be that firm rock, that firm foundation that God is going to build this church on. So let's leave behind those relational conflicts. Let's sort them out. Let's get rid of that ownership we have over this place. Ownership over a place where you stand. Ownership over a place that you go. Let's get rid of it all. Let's leave our mistakes behind when you have done things that have disappointed God. Let's leave those doubts behind and that Israelite mindset. And think of David. We need to become countercultural and leave everything behind. You know, an astronaut, when they're going up, do you really think they're sat in the cockpit or whatever you call it, like this? They have worked hard and learned everything they can. They've read every book they could. They have been talking about it. They've been living it. So when they're sat in that cockpit, just about to take off for that mission, they are as ready as they ever can be. They may not know everything, and may still stumble over problems. But they have set themselves up for the mission. Have we set ourselves up for the mission that God is using this church? God is using these people in your spheres. He's using you in other churches, in, other, in your families. Do you know everything you can? Are you giving it your best shot for the mission? You know, when we look back at Peter, we see a man that was an unlikely hero. We saw an ordinary man who wasn't schooled, <clears throat> yet we read in Acts when he's preaching, they say, well, that guy's just a fisherman, isn't he? That guy didn't actually go to school, but ah, he spent time with Jesus. Ah, that's where his majesty comes from. That's where, where that awe of God comes from. If we spend time with Jesus, doesn't matter your GCSEs, your A-level results. It doesn't matter what job you do. It doesn't matter how many children you have or how many, um, whatever. You, <laughs> you, you can still be used by God because he used Peter, so he's going to use you. He uses the doubters. He was walking on the, the sea with Jesus. He doubted, he feared, and he started to sink. Yet God still saw potential in him. He uses the unfaithful, the guy who said, I promise I won't deny you. It's not me. And he denies him three times. Now, okay, one mistake, but three times. How many times do we um, overdo when we make a mistake? We overdo that sin so many, so many, so many times. It's not just the once. It's always those one or two sins that you really keep stumbling over. 
God used that person. The impulsive. When that person came to arrest Jesus, he went straight to cut his ear off. That is so impulsive. But he still uses the impulsive and the potential. You know, when Jesus first met Simon Peter, who was called Simon at that time, he called him the rock. What a cool nickname. He called him the rock straight away. As soon as he met him, it was like, you are going to be called the rock. And it wasn't until later on we realized what God was talking about, that he was the rock in which the church was going to be built on. So how, however you come to the altar today, however you come to God, doesn't matter if you're the unfinished product. doesn't matter if you, you feel that you doubt God. doesn't matter if you feel unfaithful. doesn't matter if you, you are outspoken and impulsive and, and, and all of this. God sees the potential as soon as he meets you and he realizes your destiny and your potential, what you could do for the kingdom of God. It's you and me that God is going to build this church on. He's done it with Peter. Now it's our turn. It's you that is going to be the rock on which the church is built on. And not even Hades, not even death is going to overcome you. You know, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As someone thinks within himself, so he is. Let's start thinking that we are the rocks on which God is going to build this church. Specifically this church, because I'm speaking in here, but whatever church you go to or group you're part of or family you're part of or neighborhoods you're a part of, you are the rock in which God is going to build his church. Doesn't matter how failed you feel, doesn't matter how flawed you feel, feel that you are going to be the rock. God is looking for rocks God is looking for the people who are willing to build the church. He's not looking for the super spiritual. He's not looking for the well-educated. He's looking for those people willing to be the rock in which he's going to build this church on. That is being part of a kingdom that will never shake. That is being part of a world that will never stop advancing. You are now a co-heir to the living God. We sang a song before that was called Do It Again. And it's an incredible song. And I've really been drawn to this song. And I think this is an anthem for us right now as a church. You know, many of many of you here have been around the church a long time. Many of you have been part of this church a long time. And you've seen God do amazing things in this place. We, we only have to look at our 150th year and celebration to see God has had his favor on this church, even to the point where it was closing and someone said, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I doubt that we've got those people wanting this land for, for to build houses. We've also uh, doubt that our congregation's down to 12 people. Oh, we doubt because um, our building's falling to pieces. Yet those people in the 60s and 70s said, God, let's give it a go. And haven't we received the blessing? From those faithful people that gave it a go, we've received the blessing in this church. But God is doing it again. He never stops. He is revitalizing us. We are going into this new adventure and this new season. Whatever mountains you're facing in your life, we need to sing and we will be. Whatever we think inside, so we will be. God, I've seen you move those mountains. 
and I believe you're going to do it again. Do you believe that he's going to do it again in this place? Do you believe that this building is going to be so packed with children upstairs and so packed with adults downstairs that we need to look at alternative arrangements? Do you really believe that God is going to do that again? Because it's you that the prayers, your prayers are the ones that are going to bring those families into this church. Your prayers are the ones that are going to bring those children into this church. Your prayers are the ones that are going to bring your friends and family to this church. Your prayers are the ones that are going to build this church. You are the rock on which God is going to build the church, and it's your prayers that are going to change this place. It's not the institution, but when we say church, we mean the Christians of this place. You know, don't we really know it when you're waiting for change, whether it's been in this church or whether it's been in your situation? That frustration of waiting for change, waiting for change. Lord, I'm so frustrated, waiting for change to come, but remembering the battle's already won. You know, you just look around here and you've got a mix of new people. You've got a mix of fairly new people. You've got a mix of people that have stood the test of the good times and the bad times. You've got people sat right next to you that said, do you know what, even though it's really hard in this church at the moment, do you know what, I'm finding it really hard in my faith at the moment. I'm finding it really hard when God just doesn't answer that prayer that I keep praying. Those are the people next to you that have stood faithful And now we need to stand up and say, God, we've seen you do it. Now come and do it again. Come and change this church. Come and change our values and behaviors. Make sure we have an alter ego so we can see God do it again in this place. What do we want to be remembered for? Do we want to be remembered as Christ-centered? Do we want to be remembered as the generation that was inclusive to all people that came to the church? Do we want to be the church that is joyful in their worship, no matter what we're faced with? How do we want past generations to look at this church? How do you want past generations to look at you in your family? What are the values that you want to carry? When God is moving, nothing stays the same. Are we up for the challenge? Are you up for being that rock in which God's going to build his church? Are you willing to be like Peter and say, do you know what? I haven't got it all together, but I want to be that rock that starts a new initiative in this church, that goes over and speaks to the lonely person, the person that needs love, the person that brings in those people that don't feel that they're, they're worthy or will be accepted in church. That's the rock on which the church is going to be built. You are the rocks. I am the rocks that Jesus is going to build this church on. So we need to get ready for that mission. We need to take on board those values and behaviors that we've been learning this past term and say, yes, God, I'm going to give it a go. Even though you might correct me and have to constantly correct me, I'm going to say yes. So if I could just invite you to stand. So this, this is not just about singing a really nice new song that sounds really good. It's about, this is our anthem and saying, we believe it, Lord, that you are going to move the mountains, those difficult situations 
in your lives, in this church, in your prayer life, in your relational relationships, that God, you are going to move those mountains. We've seen you do it before 2,000 years ago. We saw you, see you do it in the 60s and 70s in this church. We saw you do it last week in this church. We saw you do it in our lives the other week, but I believe you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again and you're going to build us back up to shape the kingdom of heaven. We're going to be the representatives that go out to the world. We're going to be those rocks and it's saying, God, we've seen you do it. Come and do it again. Even though the change, waiting for change is hard, we believe you're going to do it again. So Father, come and meet us now. We pray and thank you for the amazing times that you have answered our prayers, that you have moved the mountains, that you've defeated the Goliaths in our lives. Thank you for the amazing history of 150 years in this church. Through the ups and downs, you have been faithful. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. And we ask you, let it be our prayer. Let it be our anthem that we say, come and do it again, Lord. Come and do it again in our life. Come and do it again in this church. Come and move those mountains so that we can grow and be the potential rocks that you want us to be. Send us out because we are supposed to be salt in, in this world and a whole plate of it will make you sick. So Lord, send us out. Spread us across this world. Spread us into those areas that nobody's been before because we believe you are going to do it again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.